0: Greetings to our listeners. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its Associate Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. As I speak to you today, there are CPE outreaches going on in multiple states of India, and training sessions for leaders and pastors are taking place in at least three different countries. That's what we know of. We've planted seeds in many lands and trust that God is bringing in His increase in these places as well. If you wish to learn more about our work, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. And now to God's Word. We're going to take one final look at the Olivet Discourse. We are actually going to return to one point Christ made in that message and underscore its importance. I think all listening will agree we live in perilous times. And in these times, we must set our resolve down that through it all, Christ will be pleased with how we react and interact with the age in which we live. In Matthew chapter 24, and I want to read to you just verses 45 and 46. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. In the Olivet Discourse, the Lord Jesus takes his disciples through a review of what's lying ahead of them. In a sense, he gives them an overall view, I believe, of what will be the experiences and the challenges of the church age. There are going to be the proliferation of wars and rumors of wars and kingdoms will rise against kingdoms and there will be pestilences and there will be famines and there will be earthquakes and there will be persecutions and it will intensify as time goes by and he's sharing all these things. And there in all this time will also be those whose love will grow cold and there'll be a turning away from the faith and there'll be a chasing after false messiahs. He basically gives this as a picture and these disciples will believe that they are literally fulfilling all these things because they will see these things taking place with their own lifetimes. But also the Lord Jesus then prophesies of that time when the temple will be destroyed which takes place 40 years after the statement Jesus is particularly speaking to Peter James and John and Peter and James are not going to be around to see this take place. John will not be in the location of Jerusalem to see this take place as well. And then the Lord Jesus goes on. As we've studied before, we see that the Lord Jesus is hinting at historical events that are coming, such as... Another 65 years after 70 AD, when all of the worship of the people of Israel was banished in the land of Israel, and where the population of Israel was annihilated and drawn out from the land of Judea, so it went from a population of about 2 million individuals to about 5,000. It was devastating to the people of Israel and to the land of Judea, and The Lord Jesus casts his eyes up from there through all these trials and all these troubles, all the way to the time of the great tribulation and the destruction of the great tribulation. And then he prophesies of that great and horrific day in which he comes back to judge. And in all this context of turmoil and of upheaval, he fixates his disciples on the response that he will find in his own believers and that he wants to find in those that are his true believers And that, to a large extent, becomes the focus or the application of what Christ is speaking about. But one of the things I want you to see as you go through this passage and look at it, there are but a couple promises that the Lord Jesus emphasizes as we read through the Olivet Discourse. One of the promises is that His gospel will be preached in all the nations. That although this turmoil takes place and although this upheaval is happening all around them and although there is this profound persecution that will come upon them and although it looks like the end of the ages is collapsing upon them and they'll be persecuted in every nation, he says. At the same time, he says this gospel will be preached in all the nations and in the very next chapter as he continues to extend some parables that he shares with the disciples, he also reveals to them that at the very end of the age that he will find his sheep, his people among every nation of the earth. He also tells us that when he returns and he comes in the last day, that all the nations will see him coming, and there will be those who will mourn at the sight of his coming. And These are things that the Lord Jesus talks about. This success of their mission, the mission that he's giving them, will prevail even though they will endure and go through all these experiences. The other promise we can find in this text as we read through it and we draw it out is that Christ is promising at the end of all this, he's going to return to rescue his people and reward his faithful ones that their faithful enduring work for the savior will be noted and will be rewarded and he will invite them to inhabit with him his kingdom which he will establish upon the earth and they will reign with him in his joyful triumph. And so in spite of all that's coming and all you'll see, know this, that your mission will prevail. This gospel will go to all the nations. I will establish my flock and find my sheep in every nation and I will reward you for your faithfulness. I'll return to receive you unto myself and draw you into my kingdom. Now, there is one predominant application that's made throughout, throughout the Olivet Discourse. We've emphasized it before. In fact, I think it was actually the very first thing that we emphasized when we began this series. And the application is to endure. To endure. Our endurance, we learned in this passage, and we learned, comes in the midst of great trials and great difficulties and great suffering. And yet with this suffering, Christ produces, as we see in these promises, a fragrant, powerful expression of his gospel from us. In fact, it is very difficult for us to take to the world a message of the prevailing work of a suffering savior for the sins of the world if we ourselves calculate that all that means for us is blessing and benefit and happiness if it doesn't draw from our own lives, suffering. And so when the Lord Jesus called his disciples to take up and follow after him and be part of bringing the mission of his gospel or of his death and his suffering for the sins of people and his resurrection, that if they were to do that, and as they did that, he told them, this is the way you're going to do it. He says, take up your cross and follow me. The very way in which we pursue and carry out the mission of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth will call for us to suffer, and call for us to endure through suffering. And yet it is in our suffering that we, we substantiate, you might say, and we illustrate and we give evidence to our great faith and our great hope in the gentle triumph of our Savior through his sufferings on our behalf. This is the way our message gains a place in those who need hope. We show people that God can redeem suffering by redeeming those who in their suffering turn to him. So endure. Don't be deceived into pursuing, this is part of the message here, and this might be another application, but don't be deceived in pursuing false messiahs who promise riches and ease and a pathway to personal success. Their message is one of escapism, where you bury yourself in pleasure and comfort, delivering to yourself riches and privilege. Avoid those things. It's an escape. It's a pathway into wishful thinking. No, instead, understand this. If you're to follow me and you're to be used by me to bring my message to the ends of the earth and engage yourself in my work, you're going to suffer in a difficult and trying age. Endure, take up your cross, follow me. In faithfulness, at the hardest moments in history, Jesus is telling his disciples, your endurance can offer up a light of witness that will penetrate into a lost world and bring many, many to myself. That's the message that the Lord Jesus is giving here. Endure, be faithful, be faithful to the end, through your trials, through your difficulties, through the troubles that will come upon the nations. I am going to use you and work through you if you will endure. And then he gives a series of parables in which he basically illustrates for him what he expects his church will endure in. In other words, what they will be engaged in as they endure. And now, in a sense, these parables are not so much commandments although he tells them to be on guard or to watch themselves to see that these things are being produced from their lives but are expectations they're what he says he will find in those who are faithful to him and those that he received to himself they will endure in three areas and the first parable the one that i want to emphasize this morning is they will endure in caring for his people they will be the faithful house servant who provides food and nourishment and care for the body of christ his people his children The other thing is they will endure in intensely, longingly, fixedly looking for the bridegroom. They will endure in caring for him and having their eyes on him. Their spiritual and religious experience in the church will not just be a social convention in which they find a club in which they're comfortable, in which they kind of congeal around shared ideas and values, but... Those who are true will have their eyes fixed upon the bridegroom and they'll be ready to receive him when he comes. And those who endure will also endure in being faithful to his business. They'll engage in seeking to make Christ known to as many as possible, to lead as many as possible to Jesus Christ. And they'll engage in the reciprocal relationship they have within the body of Christ in encouraging one another to grow in their faith and their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll endure in his business as well and these are the things that the Lord Jesus says he's expecting, expecting to see in those that he comes for and he returns and receives unto himself. This is what he illustrates in these final three parables, you might say, and it's this first parable that I feel like we kind of went over a little quickly. And that's the parable that emphasizes this enduring in caring for the master's household, enduring in caring for one another and this is where I kinda of wanna branch out and just do a little bit of a survey of scripture. I don't have a lot of points in my message. I have one point but I want you to see it over and over again throughout scripture. Because I think really what is being presented to us here is a instruction and an invocation upon us that we would live in love towards one another. And that our love for him will be demonstrated in our love for one another. And a desire to bless our Lord will be demonstrated in our desire to bless and care for and minister to the needs of one another that the way that we'll express our love for him and for one another is that we'll also seek to live at peace and in love towards all those around us in the world. And This is something of the focus that's being placed upon them. The Lord Jesus is basically telling Peter, James, and John, I want you to endure, and he's putting an emphasis here, I want you to endure lovingly in caring for my people. In fact, in this very passage, he warns that here's a sign of the drawing away of people from faith at the end of the age and of the dissolution of the age. He says in Matthew 24 12 that there will be lawlessness it will abound and the love of many will grow cold and we emphasized in the past that these things go together. When you love something you follow its rules. You follow after its desires because you love that thing or that object or that person. I love my wife. I do what my wife says a lot of the time. You see I try to find out what makes her happy and I follow the mystery of her in order to express my love to her. And this is true in anything. If you love it, if you love your nation, if you love your, uh, the society you're in, if you love a subject like math, you follow its rules, and then it reveals its treasures and mysteries to you. And lawlessness goes along with lovelessness. Here he's saying that there's going to be a lovelessness. There's going to be a lawlessness because there's a lovelessness that takes place. But then he turns to his disciples and basically says, but not with you. My people will endure in loving me and loving my people. And so here's what I want to see as an application for us. And I kind of want to immerse you in a a series of scriptures. You're going to see in the Gospels and you're also going to see throughout the New Testament this emphasis over and over again to all the conduct and all the activities that we do to be an expression of love for one another in fact i think what i could do is i could take and show you from the epistles that the epistles in a sense are driving forward three primary applications one application is to have our focus on jesus christ the bridegroom another application is for us to be engaged together in the mission of the church and the work and the business of our savior jesus christ and the other application that you'll see the new testament constantly driving us towards and god's people towards is this application of, of loving one another, of loving one another. And once your eyes opened up to it, you, you start seeing it all over the scriptures. But the Gospels, let's start there. The Lord Jesus drives home this. You must join us in our next broadcast as we immerse ourselves in the outpoured call of God to love well. Take note that Christ calls for this when talking of days of trial and tribulation. And those days are upon us. This has been the Bread of Life Radio. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time together, may God bless you.